So the word epic is, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this. Epic means this. It means heroic. It means majestic. It means impressively great. It means to be very imposing. It means to be of great size and strength. Heroic. Um, it means majestic, impressively great, to be very imposing, of great size and strength. You serve an epic God. And if you serve an epic God, that makes you an epic child of God because you are of him. Who's ready to start winning in life? <clears throat> Today, we're going to watch an epic battle between the 49ers and Chiefs. Some don't care and don't, don't watch football at all. Some of you don't watch football throughout the whole season, but you like to watch the game when it comes, the, the Super Bowl game. However it is, I can guarantee that the 49ers and the Chiefs are going to do the best they can. Now, they may not uh, be able to do the best they can. Things may happen. There could be injuries, things out of their control. Uh, they could be deflated and uh, by the time a halftime happens and they're losing and then next thing you know, they're, they just decide that you know, they're going to cash it in mentally. These things all happen, true. But they're going to give it their best. It's going to be an epic battle. But did you know that there's an epic battle that's going on over your life right now? Without a doubt. The truth is we are in a war. And I don't mean a natural war like us going to Afghanistan or us going to Iraq. Uh, what I'm talking about is a, a war that God talks about in his word called a spiritual battle, a spiritual war. And all, all throughout the New Testament, the New, Te New Testament is replete with scripture on military terminology. Uh, you'll see it. Um, matter of fact, God was trying to paint the picture of a, a, a military unit going to battle, going to war with his people being that military unit. For instance, it says in the Word of God, New Testament says, the weapons of our warfare are what? They're mighty in God. That tells me my own weapons are not as mighty as God. They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So God says, I'm going to give you a weaponry, my spirit weapons that are going to help you in the spiritual battle. And he called, uh, he called this thing a warfare. Also, uh, Timothy was told by the apostle Paul, his leader, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Bible also says to put on the whole armor of God. You don't put on armor unless you're going out to fight a battle. And also the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say the good fight. What makes a fight good? The one you win. Come on, somebody say amen. And I just believe it's time for us as God's people to get a backbone and say I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to run scared. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to slink away in the night. I'm going to put up my dukes and fight. It's time to have an epic spirit and have like a bulldog tenacity to bite down. Don't let go until you get the victory. Do we have some victorious winners in the house today? Not going to back down. We're living in a time of dominion and God's authority. Don't just focus on this year. Focus on this entire decade. God's about to do something powerful in your life. What he needs is a spirit inside of you that says, I will not shrink away in the night. I'm going to fight. Church, I've watched over the years how, how the church has moved this position from being battle ready to being politically correct. We've watched how the world has walked into the church and made us afraid that we couldn't say what we need to say from the pulpit. I got good news for you. This preacher ain't going to back away from God's word no matter what it looks like. If nobody shows up next Sunday, I'm going to tell the truth of God's word. But I know there's a people like you that are hungry for God's word. Tell it like it is. Shoot from the hip. Let it fly and let God. Everybody say, let go, pastor, and let God. I think I will. Praise God.
They come in, the, in here and they make it a spirit like, don't be too aggressive in your preaching. Don't be too aggressive in, in your message and say things that might offend people. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm sure that Jesus had many times to be offended by those that lied about him, betrayed him, stabbed him in the back, talked nonsense and, and said all kinds of manner evil against him. And all he did was good, then ripped his beard out of his face, spat on his body and then stapled him to the cross to die. I'm sure he could have been offended. This gospel may offend people, but it still is the truth and the truth will make you free. Somebody shout, yeah. Well, don't, don't, don't get too aggressive because they might get offended. That's nonsense. If you got somebody that's running out into the street, say a little child that don't know better, and they're running out in the street, but it ain't your kid, and you don't want to yell because you don't want to offend their parents because you yelled at their kids, you don't care in that moment. You say, stop right now. Why? Because you see the truck that's heading down the highway that's going to take their life. What about those that are going to hell right now today, and nobody stands up and say, stop where you're going. Because, dear God, we might offend them. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to intentionally offend anybody. But I found something out. When you speak the truth, it always divides. Some people are drawn to it. Some want to put their fingers in their ears and say, I can't hear that right now. Because I want to do what I want to do. Let's look at Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. It says this. This is a psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Till I make your enemies your footstool. Oh, church, I can tell you that my prayer life has gone to another level. Since we've been praying and fasting, it's gone to another level. I'm spending more time with him than I have in a while. Our elders and pastors are getting together. We're spending time with God. And we found out that, that by the way, don't be afraid of no corona's disease or virus. Amen. They got a corona's virus. But there's a Budweiser virus too. Come on, somebody. A Miller Lite virus. We'd be praying about that too. I'm more afraid of that than I am the coronavirus. But I digress. Hallelujah. But Psalms 91 says, no pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. You want to get up every day and take that. It's called the gospel. Did you hear what I said? It's called the gospel pill. Take your gospel. Amen. And speak the word of God. No pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. A thousand may fall at my left and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Am I right about that, church? And why? Because I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He becomes my shield and my buckler. He fights my battles for me. Woo, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. So if I sit at the right hand of God and I'm, I'm interceding and I'm, I'm having fellowship and relation with him, he said he'll make my enemies my footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Come on, that's what he says for us to do. He said that you and I will rule in the midst of our enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Now look what it says in the NIV. Did you guys get the NIV by chance up there? Okay, good. Psalms 110 says this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing, your troops will be willing on the day of battle. 
arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. In other words, that word arrayed is very important. It means this. It means to place in a proper or desired order. It means to marshal an arrangement in troops drawn up for battle. It shows a picture of the organization for battle or warfare. In other words, it should not come as a surprise to you that you're in some type of battle this morning and been going through what you've been going through. It's part and parcel of what we're called to be, and that's a good soldier of Jesus Christ, that we put on the whole armor of God, that we walk out our door every day knowing it's going to be a battle, but it's a good fight of faith. It's the fight I'm going to win if I'll come. Every time God gives you a prophetic word, every time God gives you a promise and you go, that's the Lord. And you read his word, you go, the Lord's speaking to me about this or that. Or he's going to, he gave you a word, you're going to start a business or a ministry or give you a word that you're going to have a mate and have children. Whatever it might be, whatever's in your heart. And God gives you a promise on that. I, I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you that the enemy is going to try to come and steal the promise. So in other words, when you get a prophetic promise or word from God, get yourself organized for warfare. Just know there's going to be a battle, but it's going to be a good fight. Come on, church. Look at Psalms 68, verse 11. The Lord gave the word. Great. Epic is what that means. Epic was the company of those who proclaimed it. So God expects us to not only carry out his commands, Great, he gives a word, and then the Bible says, great or epic was the company who proclaimed it. He expects you to obey his commands. He also expects you to speak what he says. So the best prayer you could ever pray is the prayer that God already has said. And Lord, you say, Lord, your word says, by your stripes, I am healed. Come on, church. Lord, I know I got problems in my bank account right now, but you, according to your word, says you take pleasure in the prosperity of your people. So I got to be epic. In order for me to win battles, I got to become great. And great means I become radically obedient to what he asked me to do, and I speak what he tells me to say. Second Timothy chapter 2 Verse 3 says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if he says for you to endure it, you can do it. You can do it. One of the things that we find ourselves being even more painful in life, becoming more painful, is when we tell ourselves we can't do it. I can't take it anymore. I just can't take it. That's not true. You can. You're stronger than you think. How do you know? Because you got the Holy Ghost living in you. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your members. I can endure whatever is set before me because I already know the victory is the outcome no matter how it looks at the moment. And then it goes on to say, no one engaged, you ever say engaged? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That means you can't have one foot in for God and one foot in for the world. you got to make up your mind. Be engaged, right? That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Who are we to please? The enlister. Who's the enlister? God. The moment you got born again, we became enlisted into his army. So what would it make us if we disengaged from active duty? 
What does it make us if we disengage from active duty that he called us to without consent from a superior? It makes us AWOL. Some of you may not know what that means, AWOL. It's an acronym for uh, absence without leave. You're absent without permission. I've seen so many AWOL Christians over these 30 years I've been preaching his word. Their children, they were serving God at one point. They loved God and God was blessing them. But somehow life kind of swung in there and the enemy began to attack them. And they got thrown off of their faith and they started to, to, started to miss their opportunities for victory and started to fall into the prayer of the enemy and, and believing that it was not possible to get out of their problems or temptation came. And they fell into sin and didn't know that they could have 1 John 1, 9 that frees us. If I'll confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Ain't nobody in this room, ain't nobody watching us on television or by your phone or by your computer that has ever lived a sinless life. We all need 1 John 1, 9. But the devil made you feel small, made you feel insignificant, made you feel like you were a jerk and you're not even a Christian. And they went AWOL. And they were serving God, and God was blessing them. And now you look, and their children are a mess. Their finances are a mess. Their marriage is falling apart. I know these people. I love these people. And it's a shame. The only way back is to get back where you were. Get back in your place and your position. Ask God to forgive you, and watch what God does in a turnaround season in your life. We were up here they were up here ministering. I, I don't even know the words of the last song. What was the last song that we sang? What's the name of it? N near to God? I can't. One person. Here again? Right. Here again. And, 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 it, and it, it speaks of God's redemption. Uh, what's, that, what's that one line where it talks about uh, not enough you come? And then it says, what's the, the, the verse part? That's it. Not for a minute. Was I forsaken? Oh. The Lord was in this place. The Lord was in this place. I start thinking, God, go, Lord, Lord, thank you for your redemption. In those moments where I thought that I was lost, in those moments I thought you didn't care. When I was overcome and whatever I was overcome, you were there the whole time. I was never forsaken. You never left me. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. There are people here today, and there are people that are watching on that camera right now, and you are called. God's anointed you. God's blessed you. But you've been away from God, and God is calling you back into his graces. He's calling you back into repentance. He's calling back to your position. In this room, the same is true, every single one of you. I'm here to tell you, this house is going to be known as a house of redemption. It's going to be known as a house of second chances. It's going to be known as a house of healing. Where people can come and be restored. You're not a throwaway. None of you are a throwaway. This church will open our arms to you and love you back to life again. Look, church, you may not like this because we get a little unsettled sometimes about it. But the Bible says that God's, God is a man of war. Did you know that's what the Bible says? This is nothing new to him. He loves getting the victory. And when did that war begin? It began, it was a rebellion in heaven when Lucifer and his angels that he was able to deceive uh, came and thought they could overthrow God. 
And God kicked him out of heaven. And Jesus refers to it and says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. And his, he was earthbound. And here in this place, you and I are supposed to be the wardens. We're supposed to be the ones that have authority over him. Our foot is supposed to be on his neck, the Bible says. Amen. So this is nothing new to God. And, 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 and we are living in the end times. I don't know how long. I don't know. Part of me says it could happen tomorrow. Part of me says it may not happen for 100 a year. I don't know. I have no idea. But nobody does. But we can know the seasons. And we know that we're in a season of the end times. So prophetically speaking, you are living in the fourth quarter. And how you engage your enemy will determine the outcome. It's your spiritual Super Bowl. And you're now in the Super Bowl. And the worst thing those players could do today, 49ers or Chiefs, they could do today is get there and feel like they're not deserving enough to be there. To feel like they're inadequately positioned to be there. Because the moment they do that mentally, they've already been defeated. But if they go there and say, I did my job, I did my work, and just put, take it all in and say, I deserve to be here, we have the opportunity to win, and we are going to take it today. That's how you win a ball game, and that's how you win in life, and that's how you win over your enemy. It's not a time to second guess how you got where you're at. Whether it be good or bad, you just are where you are. But I know a God that can get you out and make a way where there seems to be no way. He can cause a river to flow in the desert. And a flower to bloom there. The steps of a righteous man or woman have been ordered of the Lord. I got here because God somehow got me here. You're in the right place at the right time. I said you're in the right place at the right time. Don't complain about it no more. You are where God puts you. He's ordered your steps, which means he systematically arranged them. He placed them in order. And then he ordered them like a general gives a command. He orders you to walk them out. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined, watch this, has determined their pre-appointed times. He's talking about you and me. We've been pre-appointed our times, and the boundaries of our dwelling. God knew when and where you were to be before the world ever began. You were born for such a time as this. You were born to have, watch this now, you were born to have that marriage. You were born to have that job. It may be the job you have today, not tomorrow, but you were born to have it right now. You were born, you're not going to like this, some of y'all going to like this right now in January, but you were born to be in Milwaukee. Unless you're from somewhere else and drove in. But pretty much most of we are. Because why is it that we always think the grass is greener on the other side? God determined you to be here. And you better be thanking God every day that you were born in the United States of America. With all our problems. With all of our situations. All the stuff we've always had for over 200 years. We're a young nation. Amen, somebody. But thank God we can wake up today. Thank God we woke up in America and we could go to church with our armed guards at the door. Thank God we can walk down the street and get some food for our family. If you woke up on a bed this morning and not a dirt floor, you are in the 75% richest people on the planet Earth. 
Did you know that? Don't ever forget it. Well, I'm not rich. Yes, you are compared to most of the rest of the world. Ephesians chapter 1, 4. Just as he chose us, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose me and you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound, we are rather are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved, by, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification, which means to be set apart, something special by the spirit and belief in the truth. Why were you saved, but your family's still in the world? Why were you never caught, but the friends went to jail? Why, why are you still alive when you should have been dead years ago? The reason why is because God chose you from the beginning, and if God ever chooses you, you are going to win. He counts on you to win. Why? Because like I said from the beginning, other family and friends who are not yet saved need to see the Jesus, the conqueror, the victorious one living inside of you. Everybody say, I win. We used to sing a song years ago. Remember that song, Pito? No matter what the weapon is. Woo, Jesus. I remember that song. I can't sing it right now. Praise God, but it was good. No matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that I win. Woo. And it's that one little song. Boom, do, 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 do. It's, good. it's a good song. You can't win what you're not engaged in. If you're unwilling to fight the good fight of faith, you can't win. How can the 49ers or the Chiefs, either one of them, win today unless they show up? High five the neighbor next to you and say, just show up. Just all you got to do is just show up. How about the other one? Tell them all you got to do is show up. One more, one more. Just show up. Just show up. How many of you ever heard of the, the four lepers in the Bible and how Israel was uh, under attack and seized and there was a great famine in the land and they were dying until there was not just but five horses left in all of the land of Israel. Not but five. In other words, they were keeping it for the king and that was all they had because they had eaten everything they had, anything they get their hands on. They were dying left and right. Terrible famine. And to add worse to this whole thing is you had four lepers who had been excommunicated because that's what you did. They were unclean. So they did live outside of the city and fend for themselves. Think of that. Here these guys are out there with less than what they've got, and they've got nothing. And these men are dying a horrific death of leprosy where stuff begins to decay. Fingers, the extremities begin to decay, and they begin to fall off fingers and stuff like that. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible way to go. And it's leprosy. It's a disease, and it can be contracted. So they put them, and they quarantined them outside of the city. And these four lepers are out there, and they're thinking to themselves, this ain't good. We're in a bad situation right now. But we can smell, we can smell across the hillside over there. We can smell leg of lamb, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese. Come on, somebody say amen, whatever you like. We can smell the armies of our enemies cooking food every single night. And we have nothing in our bellies. And here we are, we're dying of leprosy. And they begin to have a reasonable thought. And the wisdom of God came to them, and it was this, that look, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go back in the city to try to get some food, we're going to die. Leprosy is going to kill us. 
or hunger is going to kill us. Let us at least die with our bellies full. Maybe we'll go to our enemies and they'll have a little mercy on us and feed us before they execute us. So they make a decision that they're going to walk now. I said they're going to walk. They're going to take a step. Somebody say amen. Everything is required in this life for victory to happen for you to take the first step. You got to take the first step. You got to get engaged. You got to show up. And they made a decision, we're going to face our enemies no matter what it looks like. We got nothing to lose anyways. If God before us, come on, who can be against us? And so they begin to walk across that desert floor. I don't know if it was at night, whatever it was. But they begin to walk across that desert floor. And they're walking together. Can you imagine seeing these bunch of ragtag people dragging themselves? Come on. Talking about they can barely walk because their toes just fell off. Come on, somebody. Somebody just said, look, man, your nose just fell off your face. I'm just telling you, it's a bad situation. And they're walking across the ground. And they get all the way to their enemy's camp. And when they get to the enemy's camp, what do they see? They see none of their enemy that's there. But they see that they left everything in their tents. Everything is pristine. They got their horses. They got their camels. They got food cooking in pots. They left their silver, their gold, and their rubies and all their gems. Everything was pristine like they were there, but they were totally invisible. They had completely vanished. They left. When you take a step for God... God begins to move on your behalf. So what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened. The Bible says they unbeknownst to them, they just made a decision of faith. They decided to get engaged. They decided they weren't going to die like a dog in the desert. They decided they wanted what they wanted and they were deserving of it. So they showed up, got engaged, and started walking across that desert floor. And as they walked across the desert floor, the Bible says that the, the God of heaven made them sound like, four men, sound like a rushing mighty army. And they felt the ground begin to shake. The ground begin to quake. They could hear the horses and the teams in battle. They could hear it. And they thought that Israel was coming to attack them. It was just four broke brothers trying to get some mac and cheese. And they ate, and they ate, and they ate, and they ate some more. And they saw all this wealth, and they said, this is not good. We need to tell Israel what happened. And they went back, and God gave Israel a mighty victory over four broken-down brothers who did nothing but operate in the gift of faith and got engaged and showed up. Touch your neighbor one time and say, just show up, man. Church, we have to look past the natural. Talk about your natural service, the things that you can see. Hear, touch, taste, and feel. And find out what God is trying to say through the battle that you're in. There's a purpose. Corinthians says this, first the natural, then the spiritual. So the natural can tell a story of what God's actually trying to do. Children of Israel come against the Red Sea. They're dead. They can't go forward. But it wasn't their death. It was God doing a miracle to cause them to go through on dry ground. But it was the death of their enemies. Hebrews 10.9 says, he takes away the first. So whatever you're going through right now, lack of money, lack of health, marriage battles, 
children not serving God, uh, just things on the job, whatever's going on. He takes away the first, Hebrews 10, 9 says, that he may establish the second. There's always a second opinion with God. God always has a second opinion. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, keep your eyes on the eternal. Keep your eyes on what God's saying in the spirit. For the things that are seen, right here, they're what? Temporary. What does temporary mean? Subject to change. Everything you see today, those bills piling up, you can see them, is subject to change. The doctor's report, subject to change. For the things that you see are temporary, they're subject to But the things which are not seen, but my eyes can clearly see, not these eyes, but the eyes of my spirit, those things are eternal. Our fight is a fight of faith. And here's the good gospel news. The enemy has already been defeated. Just got to show up. I said, you just got to show up. You just got to get engaged. You just haven't been engaged is all. Uh, Colossians 2.15, having disarmed, Jesus having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spec public spectacle of demonic spirits and Satan's, what that means, of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus triumphant over the enemy. He gained our victory. This is one of the most important things you need to remember in life. Every spiritual ruler, authority, demonic force that has once had dominion over you has been completely disarmed and has been put to open shame. Your opponent, Satan, has no power over your life whatsoever. So if you recognize the hand of the enemy in your life and go, wait, so hold on, hold on, this ain't normal. This is just, what's going on here? That's not, not the time to pull the, head, the, the, the covers over your head and hope for the best. That's the time to engage him. That's the only way you'll win. And by the way, the degree to which you believe what I just said, this will determine how much you experience of it. And as you encounter any form of spiritual opposition, it can be defeated at once. That leads to my second point, my next point. The devil, your opponent, is looking for someone to devour. He's always on the search to see. He's not going, he doesn't do this to the world. He don't need to. He attacks God's people. That's why it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not one. He's always a fake. He's going to have the loudest mouth. You're going to go, oh, my God, I should be afraid of him. He might be a lion, but he ain't got no teeth. He can gum you to death maybe, but he can't bite you, right? Seeking whom he what? May devour. This scripture actually encouraged me. Why? Because there's only one devil. And there are over 7 billion people on this planet. And he's not omnipresent. So if he ever shows up in my life, I recognize who he is, and I've got authority because Jesus disarmed him. So Satan is walking around looking, surveying for someone that he may devour. Just tell the devil he may not devour me. You may not devour my children. You may not devour my finances. You may not devour my marriage. You may not devour my health. But we'll still heed the words at the beginning of the verse. 
Let's be sober. Let's be vigilant in our faith as to not empower the devil in our lives. This topic of being sober and vigilant uh, about our, our beliefs takes, takes us to point number three, and I'm done. Church, the only job that we really have in this, this thing called fighting or warfare or battles is only job we have is to believe. Believe that God has not forsaken you. That God is fighting with you. And at times, God will even fight for you. 2 Corinthians 10.3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You cannot put the devil in a headlock and punch him in the eye. Why? It's not, it's not a warfare in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal or fleshy. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself. Every high thing. The highest thing is our brain, our mind, our thought life, right? Every argument, high thing is also against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Get ready for your epic win. 2020 is going to be a release of God's authority. A release of God's dominion. Well, I'm tired of going through it. That's I am too. I am too. Why don't we just say, I'm not going to be tired no more. I'm not, I'm not going to let that come out of my mouth anymore. I'm not going to fuel the devil. I'm not going to fuel the, what we want to say, the, the, the atmosphere, the, the universe, how we want to put it. I'm going to fuel them with negativity and negative wrong words. But in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be one that's engaged in battle. And I'm going to tell the devil, get up out of my house. And up out of my life in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say this together. Say, today I am armed with God's spirit and with his word. I am ready for an epic battle that will cause an epic victory and an epic win in my life. I'm a winner in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout out to God with a voice of try. Come on. Yes. Father, we love you so very much. Your presence in this place is matchless. It's something we seek for constantly, King. You are honored here, and we thank you that you have never forsaken us. You've never left us. You're a redeemer. You're a healer. You're a forgiver. You're a God of mercy and grace. And we love you. God, put a fighting spirit on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, stir us up to not quit. Let no familiar spirits try to pull us back and say little things like, well, I tried before and I haven't yet succeeded. That's a lie. That doesn't make us unsuccessful. It just means we haven't, we haven't arrived yet. But Father, I thank you that we're on our way and that 2020 and this entire decade is going to be a decade where we win, we win, and we win, and we win. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to know him, I want to pray with you today. The Lord loves you very much. I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I want you to open your mouth and pray the same words with me. Matter of fact, I want the whole church to open your mouth and pray these words with me. And those that are watching me right now, wherever you're at, if you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to pray this prayer as well. Let's all do it together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me today of all my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on my behalf, and I thank you for that.
And I believe that God himself raised you from the dead. Today I ask, come and live in me. Be the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I'm yours. You're mine. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? If you said that prayer today in this place, we love you so very much. It simply says, I choose Jesus. And uh, take a moment, fill out the back side of that card, if you will. And at the orange wall, give it to the people that work right there at the orange wall. And they'll make sure they get it to me so that I can pray over you this week. We want to know who you are. If you're watching us uh, by way of your by the way of the campus, online campus, we love you so very much. We'd like to hear from you. You can write something right where you're at. Or you can write our church. As a matter of fact, uh, something that I'm learning, guys, is that I've had some people, a lot of people are watching our, our show. Uh, watching this, watching our church, and they're becoming a part of the online campus now. They can't get here, so, and we have others that are not feeling well and that kind of thing, and so they tune in. So it's kind of a neat thing that our people can stay, you know, connected while they're gone. And one of the things they said, well, we want to give financially, but we it takes us out of the it takes us out of the program. So when we go to the website, we can't see the program. So I said, yeah, we 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 we're going to fix that in the future, but until then. What you can do is you can right after the program is done now, go right to our website, faithbuilders.com uh, uh, slash give. Faithbuilders.com slash give. That's what it told me for you to go, and uh, you can give that way online. Amen. Did you all enjoy the word today?